0: I'm Anna Webb, welcome to A Dog's Life. Hey Mr Binks, you know how... Mm, how to put this politely, you had them already chopped off when you came to live with us. There's lots of debate now in the world of veterinary science as to whether that really was a good idea or not. Well, this is why we're jumping on Zoom now to head to Denmark to speak to Dr. Lise Hansen, who has written the amazing book, The Complete Book of Cat and Dog Health, in which she postulates that keeping a male dog and a female dog entire, is better for their long-term health. Oh, Dr. Lise Hansen, thank you so much for coming back on A Dog's Life. Thank you for having me again. It's lovely to be here. Well I think there's lots to talk about. I mean I, I've loved our episodes. Um for anyone who doesn't know there are four episodes in our back catalog with Dr. Lee's on a range of subjects including the subject we're going to chat about today and stay focused on, aren't we Lee's, which is yes. to neuter
1: or not to neuter Indeed, and we we have talked about this before. And I meant to check how long ago that was. I'm not sure. Uh It's it's a couple of years ago, isn't it? Three.
0: Um, it's no. It's it's over three years. Would is it believe? really? It really is. Yeah, because the podcast launched in March 2020. So I think the uh, neutral, not to neutral, first episode. You know, it was around about then, March or April, so of 2020. And, you know, in that time, the world of dogs has taken such a change, shall we say, putting it perhaps a bit on the polite side. I mean, dogs have just exploded.
1: Well, the whole world has taken a, a well, I mean, it's been a weird three years, hasn't it, since we talked about this topic before? Um, absolutely. And 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 talking about neutering is as relevant today as it was three years ago, if not more. Um I think it's important to say when we talk about neutering, just just to begin with, just to make it really clear that when i talk about neutering i talk about the health implications for an individual dog you know what will what will happen to the health of my dog male or female if we neuter or if we don't neuter i'm not talking about the you know population control i'm not talking about human humans irresponsible you know i mean there's so much wrong about the way humans interact with dogs in terms of, you know, puppy farms and filled shelters and, and irresponsible breeding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that's, that's a separate issue is, is all I'm trying to say. I think when we talk about neutering, we're talking about um, a dog in the hands of a responsible owner, whether, whether or not to neuter. If, to be honest, if I can be, blunt uh, I would say that if you if you can't manage an entire dog you probably shouldn't have a dog you know neutering is not the answer to humans being um irresponsible and neglecting their dogs Um, but I'm just going to assume that you're a responsible owner and you want to do what's best for your individual dog
0: Absolutely. No, I mean, this is brilliant to clarify that. But, you know, in in having just said that, you know, this um, obsession, I think, to spay on neuter has come from the welfare organizations, you know, yeah. campaigning to stop the, initially the stray dog population, which we used to have in England, but we haven't got it anymore. You know, they've got it in Thailand, but they haven't got it. We haven't got it in England. There's no stray dogs roaming the streets. I haven't seen any lately, you know. So that's not a reason now. To exactly. New, exactly. Exactly, exactly. So, yeah. so, Lise, tell tell me, what are the health benefits, if any, to, if we just say neutering, but it also means spaying, depending on whether your dog's male or female, um, are there any health benefits of doing it?
1: The short answer, the overall answer is not really, um, but there are a lot of risks involved with doing it. Um, but, I mean, it's we're sort of at a point where everything we everything we used to think has turned out not to be correct so we're at a at a point now we're sort of in a period of transition where everything is changing which can be really confusing um and the situation is i mean we used to think that Sex hormones had to do with making babies, you know, and if we weren't going to breed from our dogs, then we might as well neuter them. Um, it made everything easier. Um, and why not? We weren't really aware of any risks. We were aware of a few side effects, but really it boiled down to three things. Um We knew that neutered dogs could get uh, some some cosmetic change, some coat changes, you know, this sort of uh, unruly, woolly puppy coat. But that was a cosmetic issue um, only. That was one. We knew that many neutered dogs tended to become overweight. And then finally, we knew that about one in five female neutered dogs develop urinary incontinence. But that was really it. And I'm talking in the past tense. But this is this is. We don't have to go, I mean, this is five to 10 years ago. This is how, this is the, the what was available to us in terms of information. Um, then there was this watershed article that I keep referring to. I think that, that lots of vets when talking about this will keep referring to, uh, which was an article that was published from the University of California in 2013. Uh, which was a complete turning point in our understanding of this topic. Um, And it was following this article that the whole area of neutering suddenly, you know, suddenly it was this immense um, focus and there was lots of studies and lots of articles published. And as a result of that, there is so much knowledge that has become available to us only in the last six or seven years, maybe. Um, And what we know now is that Neutering has implications that go far beyond um, reproduction. Really, sexual hormones play a huge part in maintaining health on many fronts, Can I just briefly explain what it's all about? And and to be honest, I, I didn't know this five years ago. This is new information.
0: No, Lise, I mean, I'd love that because, you know, the thing is, I often, I mean, this morning I was talking to somebody about what type of dog would best suit their family, and we were on the Kennel Club Assured Breeders website together and, you know, all the rest of it. Now, you know, in the next, they'll get their puppy, and they'll go for their second vaccination. And at that point, I know what happens. The vet will say, well, right, shall we book you in for a spay or neuter at six months? Well, oh, please don't say that. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, this, this is what, you know, people are saying, yeah. you know, this, um, and then, you know, some people come back to me and say, I, know, I don't know. I'm I'm not sure I want to spay. Is this right? You know, what what do I do? The vet's been very pushy about it. So, you know, I know this whole new science has come out and the paper and the studies, but I know you know it takes a long time for things to filter through. But yeah. how long is it going to take to filter through? I know. Because I do feel, I do feel that it's counterintuitive, perhaps, for. Some vets, depending, I think, on the practice. You know, I, I chatted with Dr. Jean Dodds not long ago on also on titer testing, actually, Lee's, which I know Oh, is lucky another. you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I know, it was amazing. It was amazing. And I highlighted to Jean that vets are charging £400 in London for a titer test, right, which is a bit prohibitive, particularly at the moment. And I mentioned it to Jean, and, you know, she was cross. But apparently in New York, it's
1: kind of the same, that I know, I know. And this, I mean, what what we're all about is helping pet carers make informed health decisions, isn't it? Being aware of the the science that's available. I mean and that's 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 why we're talking today and that's what you're doing through your wonderful pod, podcast. And it is so important that we help get this information out there. And I think the thing the thing to understand. And the thing to talk to your local vet about, the, the reason I say please don't say that is because I so hope that it is the exception in 2023 that a vet will say, you know, let's book them in for a neuter at six months. It shouldn't be happening like that anymore. Um, it shouldn't be the rule anyway. And I, d- I hope it isn't. But, but if it happens, the thing to discuss with your vet is the hormone this that um this is all about the hormone that we refer to as lh luteinizing hormone lh and if i can just put it into into context briefly because i'm going to be saying gonads a lot uh, so let me just <laughs> let me just define what we're talking about the gonads are the internal sex organs. Yeah. So it's the testicles in a male and the ovaries in a female. And they produce the sex hormones testosterone in a male and estrogen followed by progesterone in a female. Um, and the way that happens in a healthy, entire dog um, is through this amazing, finely regulated, clever feedback system between the brain and the gonads. So the brain stimulates the gonads into producing sex hormones. um, And when when the the level of sex hormones rise, there's a negative feedback that goes back to the brain saying we've got enough now so you can make less of this stimulation hormone, which is LH. So the pituitary gland in the brain um, releases LH, which then tells the testicles or the ovaries to produce sex hormones. That's the normal system. That's how nature has designed it. When we then neuter an animal, we we surgically remove the gonads. We take away the testicles when we castrate a male dog, and we take away the ovaries. Um, sometimes the ovaries and the ut- uterus when we um, neuter a female dog. And when we do that, the feedback system is obviously broken. So the brain doesn't receive that that negative feedback saying we have enough sex hormones now, you don't have to keep producing LH to stimulate the gonads. So the pituitary gland keeps producing LH and you end up, and this is the case for all neutered uh, animals, you end up with extremely high levels of LH all the time, Forever. Uh, And the levels go way beyond the level that they would ever reach in a in a healthy, balanced entire animal. You get uh, LH levels that are 30 times what they would normally ever reach. Um, You could almost say it's like the brain is knocking on the door. You know, it keeps trying to stimulate the gonads into producing sex hormones, uh, but they never will because they're not there anymore. Gosh, and what has what <laughs> I know? I mean, and and what what we I say we? I've not discovered anything. I've just studied this. But what scientists have discovered is that there are um, LH receptors all over the body. There's LH receptors in white blood cells, in the skin, in the hair follicles, in the thyroid gland. Um, all over the body, many, many tissues in the body, many different types of tissues in the body have LH receptors. So when you have an individual with 30 times the normal level of LH constantly, forever, for the rest of their life, that starts causing changes in tissues all over the body. Uh, and that's the that's the explanation behind um, the, all this this increased risk of disease that we see in neutered animals. And the consequence of this is that neutered animals have um, a much higher risk of developing cancer, um, developing osteoarthritis, developing ligament disease, uh, typically um, cruciate ligament um, disease in the knees, um, immune mediated diseases. So that's your allergies and your autoimmune disease, diseases and thyroid disease. Um, thyroid disease, you know, hypothyroidism and underfunctioning thyroid is a very, very common problem in dogs. Um, and it turns out that the single biggest risk factor for thyroid disease in a dog is being neutered. So so there's all these dogs who have to take medication for the rest of their life because of thyroid disease. And it's for many of them, it's purely because they were neutered. But until very recently, we had no idea of this correlation. We simply didn't know. But now now we do. So how
0: many papers, um, at Lees, you know, have been written on this and, and where have they been published? Is it being circulated, for example, by the World Small Animal Veterinary Association or the Royal College of Veterinary Surgeons, for example, here in the UK? You, because why then does it seem to me that vets still really want to spay on
1: neuter? It's a such a good question. And I, I don't have a good answer. I think that probably is probably a combination of lots of different answers. Um, change takes time. Mm. And like I said, this information is only... I mean, the very first indication that neutering could be harmful that I ever came across was 10 years ago um, and then followed all these art- articles that, you know, confirmed it and gave us much more detail. Um, so you could say this information is is six, seven years old, which is not that long. And I suppose it hasn't been the smoothest You know, lots of other stuff has been going on in the world, um, also in veterinary practice in the last few years, which may have slowed down this this transition. But it is a very hot topic in veterinary circles, certainly among researchers and scientists. But I think you can still find vets in practice who haven't who haven't heard. Um, I don't think that would be the case. You said it was three years ago that we since talked about this. In Mm -hmm. another three years, I'm prepared to bet you nobody will be neutering routinely anymore. I mean, this is something that's being discussed, but but it needs to be discussed more, which is which is again, which is why we're here. I mean, one thing is, is it's the one thing, the harm that we caused inadvertently in the past before we knew better that is what it is we can't blame ourselves even though you know it weighs heavily on some of us having neutered animals that that we caused harm we didn't certainly didn't mean to but we did but now that we know and I suppose we in this context is I don't know humanity the veterinary profession the the the, the information is available now um it's really hard to defend a practice that that ignores it. Mm, No, indeed, indeed. I mean, that's in
0: a way the whole point of science, isn't it really? A bit like the, you know, the science of nutrition, it changes almost every day, there's a new discovery. I mean, I always quote coconut oil as the example. I mean, 10 years ago, nobody thought coconut oil was good for anything. But indeed, it's good for lots, not least cognitive function and skin issues, for example. But it used to be thrown away with the coconuts. You know, it was like, why do you want coconut oil? So I understand about all of this. But but gosh, she does worry me. I'm just sitting here looking at Mr. Binks, my little toy terrier. You see, he he arrived neutered and I'm freaking out now. <laughs> Whereas Prudence who's by my feet. She remains unneutered, Lees, partly because of having done all my study when I took Prudence on and understanding actually already that you keep the animal whole because Molly was spayed. In fairness, at three, but I don't think it really matters. Many people have all these ideas, don't they, with with bitches anyway? Let's focus on bitches for a minute. That, you know, there's all this school of thought now that it's perfectly fine to neuter after you let your bitch have one season, then you spay and then it's going to be all right. Or some other people say let them have three seasons and then spay and the impact will potentially be less. What do you think of that?
1: I think the jury is out um, in terms of. We know that. I mean, it, well, first of all, when we talk about risk, it easily becomes very confusing. Um, when we, when we're really, if we're interested in one individual, you know, you can have a neutered animal that lives a long, healthy life and and never gets sick with with anything. Um, we, we're simply talking risk, and the risk of developing all of these diseases is much higher in neutered animals. However, there are some variables that we don't understand yet. We don't, there are some breed differences that have not been uh, completely understood. You know, neutering has, um, is, is, is more of a dangerous game in some breeds than it is in others. Um particularly us, when you talk about cancer if you if you're um if you've got a breed that already has a higher than average cancer risk neutering really becomes um hazardous for lack of a better word uh, whereas in other breeds the cancer risk may be so small to begin with that even if you double it it's not going to it's still not going to be very likely. Uh, so mm. so risk is risk is always a difficult thing to, to understand intuitively, I, I find. The things we don't know, um, we know that there are breed differences. Uh we don't know, we don't understand those completely yet, but there certainly are breed differences. And the other unknown is the age at which we neuter. Um, I've not seen any newer studies that have um finally been able to Kind of quantify that and and the only the only conclusions i've seen so far is that it doesn't it doesn't seem to play a role whether you neuter young or late it's not it's not about delaying neutering it's about not neutering at all right um okay because it's, it's just quite interesting because you know i mean
0: having a bitch that's not spayed is quite unusual still i'll be honest with you lise so i think a lot of parents find it a hassle the blood and you know the whole period type of thing and perhaps having to worry about particularly if people don't really walk their dog regularly themselves they're relying on dog walkers and that's a risk you can't let a dog on heat be walked by a dog walker and the sort of more logistical things from from a female dog perspective so I'm quite rare to be honest that Prue is now nearly eight and just had her eighth season you know and it was interesting Liz because obviously am I right in thinking dogs do go through the menopause like us
1: no no they don't they they continue having the, the hormonal cycle throughout throughout their life Um, And you're absolutely right that you are in a minority, an informed minority. um, About 75% of female dogs in the UK are neutered. So it's only about a quarter of all female dogs who are entire. And and, I mean, in 10 years, that will be a completely different story. But that's the situation now. And of course, now that we know that neutering is not safe, we need to get used to living with entire animals and it is a different it is a different story i mean it may be that that if you're used to having males and females dogs together that that that's an impractical thing you know uh, unless you can i mean the female comes into heat um i mean there are always of course um huge individual variations but roughly speaking a female comes into heat twice a year um and, and is fertile for about two weeks actually less than that but needs to be kept isolated for about two weeks yeah um so if you have male and female dogs you probably need to board the male for a couple of weeks twice a twice a year um, unless you can be absolutely certain to keep them apart uh, and you certainly need to keep your female dog on a lead for for a couple of weeks twice a year absolutely um,
0: no i know or be lucky enough to have a garden and just think that, you know, certainly there's that one week, isn't there, of the three when they're on heat that is, you know, that really dangerous week when they sure. probably I mean, for me, I I don't find that aspect too much of a problem. Oh, there's prudence yeah. shaking. But, <laughs> but but it's interesting, you know, Vets will say, We've well, got to spay. I'm going somewhere this. So I've i for the first time in my life, I have lived through prudence having um a massive, a masuvo false pregnancy of massive proportions um, which shocked me you know because I've never experienced it before she literally went down with mastitis. Oh damn Um, that's quite uncommon. Right, well then, this is interesting. Okay, I'm going somewhere that might be a bit Rupert Sheldrake for you in a minute, Lees, but um, (laughs) my cat, Gremlin, that I adored more than anything, I'll be honest, passed sadly due to being poisoned by fox poison. It was awful. Oh,
1: dear, I'm sorry to
0: hear that. No, thank you. It was very fast. It was all misdiagnosed initially, and it was very fast, basically, Um, uh, four weeks. And if I'd only known he was only going to live for four weeks, you know, i I would have not done that and I wouldn't have, you know, mind you, I was here all the time, really, because he wasn't well. However, when he passed, Prudence came into season, right, Lee's on the 9th of March, because it was the first day of Crufts. And I just breathed a huge sigh of relief that I hadn't arranged to take her with me, um, mm. because that would have been dreadful um, for the other dogs. So it was the 9th of March. Gremlin passed on the 6th of June So literally, I think it was about four days later. So a good three months after she came into heat, which should be your kind of all clear period, really, in terms of thinking, we don't need to look out for a pyometra. You you know, it's clear. And this huge false pregnancy developed. The vets actually were brilliant because we were really worried. I was really worried about a pyometra occurring as a result, but it didn't. They gave regular ultrasounds, you know, on her area. And there was no infection of the uterus. But, you know, yes, I mean, so much milk coming out. It was grim. And it lasted for about 10 days. She had to go on antibiotics. And then at the same time, she developed this weird skin infection, totally mad. And the vet was a bit worried. It was a cancerous lump, but it wasn't. But she had to have it, uh, the you know cultured and we had to get quite an unusual human antibiotic you can't believe this so gremlins passed i'm freaking out meanwhile prudence is going through all this stuff anyway her lumps went down so could her false pregnancy have been triggered by shock to have lost gremlin and going through some weird rare for prudence um emotional experience
1: well, rare for anybody, I think it it sounds like and it sounds like more than a false pregnancy. I mean, if she had skin changes um, and, you know, it's not normally uh, associated with a false pregnancy. Um, so it's it's it sounds remarkably. I mean, she was well. Yes. when Gremlin died. And then within four days, there was all sorts of stuff wrong with her. Yes. yes it sounds correct. like quite a dramatic um, stress, grief reaction to
0: me Mm, mm, mm. i know i know because the vet was you know sort of you know didn't really comment on that and then when we were there having one of her ultrasounds on her on her fanny as i always call it you know i happened to say where's gremlin and then the strangest thing happened she pulled me to the room that i didn't know was where they kept the ashes and no one had told me gremlin's ashes had been returned literally the evening before and um Yeah, she smelt Gremlins' ashes, which I thought was impossible because obviously, do they smell? Who knows? It's really out out to the jury. But I learned that in Australia in 2018, they trained a team of dogs to find cremains, you know, when all the wildfires wiped out loads of properties and and humans at the same time and um, grief-stricken relatives wanted to find some evidence you know some memory and the dogs would find certain ashes kind of quite a depressing subject we've moved on to quite quickly sorry <laughs> you know. about this but it's just fascinating and, and Adam the vet who I'm um, actually really you know just massive you know thanks to Adam Wolf, who's Australian and Really good, actually, um, Lise, and coped with me extremely well. You know, he kind of rolls his eyes when I mention homeopathy, but that's fine. But he was very happy for me to offer Gremlin an integrative approach with the help of Barbara, actually, and even happy for him to be fed on raw food and all sorts of things. So that was really, really game changing for me because it's actually a first, uh, um, to be honest, where, traditional conventional vet has embraced you know some alternative therapies and indeed raw food feeding for one so that was exciting i um, mean it's just a shame so yeah so poor prudence so she's all right now her boobs have shrunk back and there's no milk but you know she's the least maternal dog in the world breathing a litter from prudence was never going to happen least ever in a million years and i'm proof that a dog can remain entire and you don't get puppies it's quite easy not to have puppies say, well, exactly. with the with an entire and, bitch yeah and that-
1: and that's the that's the point, you know. It's very very. It's it's easy to have entire animals, um, yeah, and not let them breed. You just have to, you know, take proper precautions when the when the females are in heat. Okay, so um, another misnomer I'd like to
0: talk about is intact males. People have this again uh, misconception. I'd say that you know an intact male dog is definitely going to be more aggressive than a neutered one.
1: <laughs> well. I think there's only one uh, situation where that I mean, an intact male, the changes are going to be an intact male is going to be uh, sniffing more, urine marking more. So a walk may happen more slowly. You know, they'll be more interested in 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 sniffing and peeing on everything. Um, They may be more aggressive towards other males when there are females in heat around that's the only form of inc- of aggression that may be increased in a male dog um they'll they there will maybe some competition for females but general aggression or general reactivity um is believed to be increased in neutered animals yes um, it... there, there are i was talking about these lh receptors before um that are present in in lots and lots of organs and cause mayhem uh, when the levels get really high in neutered animals. And they are also present in in parts of the brain, hippocampus and hypothalamus, which are the areas of the brain that have to do with fear and aggression. Um, and it has been demonstrated that, that neutered animals are more likely to be fearful and more likely to be aggressive. And of course, most aggression in dogs is, in anybody, I suspect, is, is fear-based. Um, so, so these problems, generally speaking, the the problems will be worse in neutered animals than in entire animals. Uh, when we're talking about male dogs, with the exception of aggression towards other male dogs over yes, females, aggression towards humans um, is or aggression sort of overall um, is less in in um, entire males than in neutered males. And you know, it's all about training.
0: <laughs> well, of course, of course. <laughs> and socialization and having the ability to get the focus of your dog and um and all of that. And of course, a lot of reactivity and fear is trained um by not responding in a, in an appropriate way to your dog in various contexts, unwittingly, normally with, with with um pet parents, I would say, um, in terms of their thinking of their dog. As a little person in a fur coat.
1: Of course. And it's all about um I mean, this is a wider subject, but it's all about um having animals that feel safe in their environment. Um and, and you know, like like you say, training um okay. to feel safe in all situations and to know to look to your owners um if you ever feel unsafe rather than than you know reacting and going out there uh, yourself but that's I mean that's another very interesting topic that you know more about than I do but but I mean absolutely absolutely but but it is it is not true at all in general terms to think that entire animals are more aggressive on the contrary actually
0: and in a way it so makes sense to be on the contrary because as as you say you know it's a whole animal we need everything to work integratively in our bodies and it is, it is a fascinating subject which leads you know obviously to to something I say to people quite often well if you lived in Norway you wouldn't be having this
1: conversation with your vet in the first place and why is that Lee's well this is the other really interesting aspect of this of this subject is that and and it's in a way it demonstrates that nurturing ha- The idea that we should neuter has very little to do with dog health and it has very little to do with population control. It has a lot to do with cultural norms Um, across the globe. The approach to this has been completely different historically and, and still is to this day in America. Um, almost all dogs are neutered. And it's it's almost become a sort of mantra, as I understand it, that you must spay and neuter your dogs to be a, a responsible pet parent. <laughs> Um, and it's it's highly uh, unusual to have a, a dog as a pet who is not neutered. Um, in the UK, about 70% of dogs are neutered. Um, in my native Denmark, it's less than half that are neutered, but still a significant proportion. But in other parts of Scandinavia, um, Norway particularly, almost no dogs are neutered it's illegal to neuter for other than health reasons in norway uh, so you know 90 i don't know 98 99% of dogs are entire in norway and the numbers in sweden are not very different even though it's not illegal in sweden it's just considered unusual and unethical to neuter a dog um, so it's it, it's it certainly demonstrate that it's perfectly possible uh to live with entire dogs it's not a problem and it doesn't really you know it doesn't lead to streets filled with with stray dogs or or you know it's 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 a perfectly normal um state of affairs but when you talk to americans about this it's shocking to them um which is why another thing that we should maybe mention is um Something that we talked about uh, published scientific journals before and one one area that um, where I see a lot of of articles published at the moment is alternative surgical procedures to traditional neutering, um, which is um, to to do a vasectomy on um, male dogs or to do a hysterectomy on female dogs, but leave um, the uterus in place. So that means the dogs will not be able to reproduce, but they will hormonally still be uh, entire. Um, And I think that's going to be the way in America because they are so culturally uncomfortable with the idea of dogs that are uh, able to reproduce. But so that's going to be a sort of halfway house, I think, at least for a while. Um, but there's a lot of talk about that at the moment as well. But that's very interesting.
0: But surely, by taking the ovaries out of a bitch, surely that's the hormones.
1: No, they don't. If I said that, I'm sorry, then I said it wrong. If that's what I said, they take the uterus but leave the hom- leave oh, the ovaries.
0: Oh, oh, right, okay, right. Oh, they leave the ov- it's, it's, oh. it's it's
1: it's it's often referred to as the ovary sparing spay. Um, ah. it, it, it takes out the uterus, which means that the dog can obviously not become pregnant and cannot get a, a, a pyometra, a womb infection. Mm. Uh, but hormonally, uh, she's completely entire still. Right. I think. I think it in America. When you speak to American vets and Am- American scientists, this is to them. This is what we will be doing in the future. We will no longer be doing a normal spay. We'll be doing an ovary sparing spay instead. To me, I think it's an unnecessary step. Why not just leave the animals entire? But for those that are very uncomfortable with the risk of pyometra and very uncomfortable with the risk of, you know, uh, uh, unintended mating, it can be a, a compromise, I suppose.
0: Yes. I mean, you know, I mean, with this very recent, lease situation with prudence, you know, I have been thinking, And I said to the vet, you know, should I spay Prudence now? And, you know, he just went, yes, Anna, yes, please, yes, please. And I'm thinking, hmm, well, I'm going to think about it. Um, I wonder why
1: he would say that. I mean, I don't think what you've been through is uh, in any way a normal false pregnancy. It sounds more like it was some sort of acute physical reaction on lots of fronts, Mm but but it doesn't sound like a typical false pregnancy to me and even if even i mean false pregnancies um we can if we got time we can talk about false pregnancies but they are um a normal phase that every dog has hormonally uh following her her season or her heat um some dogs It's quite pronounced. Some dogs, you hardly notice it at all or you don't notice it at all. But it's not unhealthy you know it's not a disease it's not no. pathological it is a normal phase but just like in in women normal hormonal variations um can affect some to the point where they become unwell you can see that in dogs as well some dogs become uh very lethargic don't want to leave the house become obsessed with the idea of puppies um and th- there are uh, ways to treat that i would never neuter a dog even if um even if false pregnancies are um an issue there are other ways to deal with that
0: yes yes and it's and it, i think you know i'm um, correct me if i'm wrong that generally this false pregnancy phase of the season tends to happen in the second or the month after the initial three weeks so you know yeah uh, yeah yeah i know i mean this was way after that yeah so yeah. i just I just, I I can't figure it out at all. It's rather extraordinary. Or my other thought on it, Lise, and you know, you'll kind of raise your eyebrows now. I think it might have been Gremlin paying Prudence back for being a bit of an idiot Um, (laughs) in the last six months, you know, actually, she's been a bit of an idiot because the power of cats, you know, and their attunement, if you like, to the sixth sense anyway, you know, because then last Saturday I'm rushing. because I have to get to the Blondie concert. I'm really excited. So we go out for a walk very early and guess what happens? Prudence manages suddenly after eight years of never having a grass seed in her ear, A grass seed penetrates her ear and it's obviously quite bad. Head shaking, freaking out. Her eyes have gone red. I'm thinking, I don't believe this. So basically we get, you know, home. I drive straight to the vet. She has minor ear surgery straight away. It's all fine. And you think, well, why has that happened now? But I probably overthink things, don't I, Lise?
1: Well, I don't know about that one, but, but it is, I mean, it is true that when you talk about Gremlin's death and Prudence reacting in that way is that, that grief and stress can make us ill. Um, mm. it, 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 I don't think there's any doubt about that. Dogs, cats, or humans. Yes, so I, yes. I think it was a, I think it was a, a freak thing you had there rather than a, a typical false pregnancy episode for sure. Okay, cool. So, um, your advice is hold
0: fire. Just yeah. keep prudence as as she is, and no need to spay, even though she's eight. Absolutely, absolutely. And and,
1: I mean, I think, I think this is that's certainly my advice. But I think it is an important point to make that that this is obviously not my personal opinion we're talking about. I'm just a vet. I'm not someone who's done, you know, I'm not the, the one of the scientists who's uncovered all of this, but there is a, a, a all the papers that are coming out at the moment, um, there is a consensus on this. You know, this is about high levels of LH causing all sorts of um, disease, some of it life-threatening, and and as a result of that, we need to change our ways. Um, what well, all I'm trying to say is that it's not so much personal opinion, it's really the science is available now. Yes. And 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 there is, I mean, you were saying before how some vets will still recommend the old way. And and I think there is some, I don't know, I'm searching for words here, but I mean, I think I think humans are possibly conservative by nature. You know, we are slow to change our ways and we are prone to do things for no other reason than this is what we've always done. Um, and that is is clearly in nobody's interest. I mean, you know, the earth would be flat if if we didn't, change our our views according to science Uh, we need to adapt new scientific information as it is made available to us and we need to act um also when we take care of the animals um that that you know we are in our care we need to act according to facts and according to the current science and not according to outdated beliefs that's 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 really that's really my my point here yes absolutely
0: and I think you know um, just to promote well-being and overall natural health I think this is this is the mantra that or certainly I live in my little bubble about this but um, I do think it's becoming more accessible and pet parents who are that way inclined themselves you know are now really transferring their values of diet and you know lifestyle choices to to their pets um, and with good reason and you know we can do that now because there's so much more choice out there as well you know in terms of foods anyway and um, you know alternative therapies that well they've been there for a very long time um, but um, they're being talked about more which is great because then that helps change happen
1: sure but also i think it's important to to separate this issue from however one feels about alternative therapies because it's not a you know it's not an alternative view um it is where mainstream veterinary science is at at the moment um and and it can be difficult to as a as a lay person wanting to stay informed you know social media etc it, it's great, but it's also it can be quite overwhelming. And it seems that, you know, everyone is free to have an opinion about stuff these days. But but if we go to the science, if we go to the scientific references, um, what it boils down to is that if you take away the sex organs, you end up with dangerously high levels of LH, which cause all sorts of problems. Um that's that's what we know about this topic at the moment and I'm sure in another five or ten years we'll 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 be able to you know say more specifically um about the areas that are still not completely uncovered but at the moment what we know is that neutering is not safe the way we thought it was safe only five or ten years ago
0: Well, Lise, look, thank you. This is going to be real food for thought, I know, for lots of people. (laughs) So I really, really appreciate your time to come on and um, talk about this because, indeed, we've talked more about the subject than three years ago, and I think it's all down to the LH hormone, which I'm just fascinated about. That's interesting, very interesting. Mm. Thank you,
1: Lise. It's a pleasure. It's great to speak to you.
0: Yes, we'll do another one soon too. (laughs) Yes. our show, Mr. Pinks. What did you think? Oh no, don't go into a bit of a freak out. You're very well and you're 11. And you're right. It is time for Woof of the Week. The interesting thing about science is through time it changes. One of these things now being discussed in the vet profession is whether to neuter or not to neuter. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you did, go on, rate and review the show wherever you tune into your podcasts. Thanks again, of course, to Dr. Lise Hansen for joining us today. And please note that links to the complete book of cat and dog health are all in the show notes. Thanks, of course, to Mike Hansen, my producer, for all the music and production as ever. Also, Mr. Binks? Yes, you're right. We will be back in your feed next Sunday. So why don't you subscribe now and that way you'll never miss another show. Bye for
1: now.